0: The reality is we're humans living a human experience. We have feelings it's for a reason. I think our emotions, our feelings are, are our body's messenger. They're telling us something. There's power there. There's the next layer to unwind there. They're not just going away. And when we have a more aligned support system within our own body and framework, and aligned doesn't mean stagnant. It doesn't mean static but when there is a greater structural balance from a very physical standpoint naturally there's more space for emotions to flow through without getting so stuck naturally we feel more strong and stable we can find our inherent strength naturally we can allow ourselves to be more vulnerable because we're connected and anchored into that inherent strength
1: Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, brought to you by Evolna, hosted by Marie Janicek. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast where we explore the dynamics of movement as a medium and we excavate and explore those hidden and unseen ways that movement transforms and shapes us. I am so excited about today's episode because we get to dive into a topic surrounding movement that is so near and dear to my heart, namely, how How emotions factor into the physical well-being of our bodies and how movement can be a powerful portal for us to better understand, communicate with, and connect with what is going on with us at an emotional level. I think it's so easy when we think about our physical bodies to actually see them as physical. But the truth is our emotions are such an essential part of our well-being. And unfortunately, they often get left at the door, especially when we start to enter physical movement practices. And this was something that I really struggled with in my career as a personal trainer because Part of what made movement such a life-changing experience for me was the context I got to learn movement in, which was my dance background. And in dance, movement was so inherently expressive and so intimately tied to emotion. And making the switch from a professional full-time dancer in New York City to a trainer where suddenly the expressivity and the emoting wasn't necessarily factored in was very disorienting and confusing for me. Because for the majority of my life, this relationship to movement as a means to express, to feel, to really dig into the emotions that were at play was my saving grace. It pulled me out of depression. It helped soften heartbreak. It helped give me clarity and feed me inspiration. It motivated me. It propelled me. And it's really what I credit all of my success, all of my awakening and self-actualization, too. And so I'm so excited about our guest today, Emily Wishall, and the conversation we were able to create here together, which really centered on some of these nuances around how emotions actually affect our physicality. And we looked deeper into some of the ways we can begin to more deliberately attend to what's going on with us emotionally, both around and within our movement practices. Emily is a certified rolfer and embodiment coach, and she is deeply passionate about supporting women through the path of disliking their body and bringing them into loving their body. In fact, this fall, Emily is releasing her first ever book, which is focused on her personal journey in going from hating her body to learning to love her body. And this was a pivotal part of our conversation today is really understanding how she changed that dynamic, which is such an important topic for us all, because I know we've all been through those phases where we feel really disappointed and disgruntled with ourselves because we are so focused on the external. And in today's episode, we really dug into understanding the discernment between externally focused changes with our body versus bringing things more internal. And I really loved all of Emily's insights on this topic. In addition, we also talked a lot about how emotions influence the body, specifically from a physiological perspective. Her background as a rolfer allowed her to really clarify some of the details of how quickly our bodies are willing to change when we actually get to the emotional root that may be stored within our tissues. And finally, one of my favorite parts of this episode was when we talked about the importance of authentically connecting to our emotions and allowing ourselves to feel them. This is something I think doesn't get talked about enough, especially in context of movement. And this is something that I'm sure you all have picked up on is a huge source of inspiration for me, especially with the work we are building through Evolna and the system we're creating there. And it was such a pleasure to be able to dive into some of the specifics of how we can negotiate some of the challenging aspects around confronting our emotions, what comes up with judgment and how to meet ourselves there, and some simple practical steps we can begin taking right here and right now so that being with our emotions doesn't feel so scary or challenging and can actually bring us the soothing respite that's waiting for us on the other side when we're willing to drop in and connect. I am so grateful to Emily for coming on and having this conversation with me. So without further ado, let's tune in. Emily, I'm so excited to have you on here with us today. It's this episode has been a long time coming, and I'm just really looking forward to our conversation.
0: Thank you. I am, I am too. I'm honored to be here, Marie. So, thank you for having me.
1: So let's kick things off and get started by digging into your movement history. So tell us your story. Where did your movement journey begin and how did it lead you into your work today?
0: Yeah, so my story is a little different than I think a lot of people who are in the movement world because often they've been in it, you know, for for their life. Forever. (laughs) (laughs) And my introduction to movement was actually more a means to the end, meaning for me, it was more of, oh, if I exercise, then I can be skinny. And so it was less about overall, like just movement and connecting with my body and doing it because it felt pleasurable and good and became more like, oh, calories output versus calories in, and that sort of, so, you know, I mean, Cause I first felt fat and like insecure in my body when I was about eight years old and I have a huge, I'm the youngest is seven. And so my older siblings were in high school and they would get to go, you know, I remember one of my sisters going to YMCA working out and not even talking a lot about it at the house, but I knew that she would go and work out. And I felt so envious. I was like, well, I want to freaking go and like do that. I want to go burn calories. That's my only way. That I can like feel okay and you know, be skinny enough to, to be, you know, quote unquote okay to the external eye. And I, I like must have called or asked my mom or somehow found out that you ha- had to be 16 years old to go to the YMCA to work out with an unsupervised parent or guardian. Like, I remember that so clearly. So, you know, I mean, before that, of course, you know, like any like maybe I, you know, I, I biked all the time and I was always outside, but that was when it started shifting a little bit in my head and it intensified in junior high. I was a part of the track team and I I did the four by 400 and the mile. And that was the first time I all of a sudden like received so much praise for like, Oh my God, Emily, you've lost your baby weight. And um, probably went on the very far other extreme of overexercising under eating, but like found, loved running and found it, but then started to, you know, Overly self-impose really strong restrictions for how fast I needed to run, how much I needed to run. You know, my coaches would always praise me because I was always they'd see me running through the summer, and I was the only kid, you know, who was doing that. And so, at some point in high school, I actually stopped running because it gave me so much anxiety. I think because of just all that I had created around what it was. And now I do think of my, you know, exercise more as movement, as you're asking. But then it was, you know, more exercise and it would ebb and flow. But more often than not, like even through college, it was more around this is going to make me skinny. And that was my motivating factor. And it's only been in the last, I don't know, handful of years that I like I don't move until I really check in with my underlying motivation and intention for 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 why. Why am I doing this? I don't think it's not wrong. I don't want anyone, you know, to, to misunderstand or feel like I'm judging, you know, if you have physique goals or are wanting to lose weight and be healthier, but I see the problem, you know, within myself and then often a lot of clients I work with is that becomes our underlying main motivation and we're using it as a more means to an end versus an opportunity to express ourselves, to experience joy, to experience pleasure in our lives, right? It's more this kind of punishing way for like our bodies are bad. I ate too much. I'm bad. I'm wrong. I need to punish myself. So I'm gonna go on this jog. I'm gonna go to the gym and sweat it out because I'm bad. I'm wrong. Even though I feel really tired and exhausted and, you know, could take a nap. So that's yeah, kinda the camp I came from. And in the last, you know, handful of years shifted much more and more into actually like, you know, usually I have some sort of framework of training that I'm that I'm following. But for me, I have found and I even think of this actually as a more feminine approach. That I, I don't want anything too rigid. So I like to have room for ask, actually asking my body, you know, how do you want to move right now? Like, is is that do you, is this what you want to do this routine you've scheduled, or is there something else? Or maybe I'll do that. Like, I just need to push through with some inertial, initial inertia, um, and that will feel really good. But maybe I need a longer cool down where I'm like rolling on the floor. Maybe I need a longer warm up, something more nourishing for my body. And it just, it fascinates me for for myself and then, you know, clients I work with, even just shifting that perspective from this movement for punishment versus really focusing on movement for pleasure and actually inviting your body into the conversation and into the equation of what do I even want to do, right? Instead of just like fucking doing 20 bicep curls or whatever it is, when I'm like, we're, we're freaking moving our body, but we're never asking her, how does she want to move? What does she want to do? And, and so that feels very backwards to me. And so I've just been working, you know, for myself, just reprogramming and, you know, still, you know, can come up, but I just notice when those thoughts come up of like, Oh, right. Like I'm not just running, you know, I'm not running to get skinnier, I'm not running to do this. It's more for my own emotional and mental health.
1: Yeah. I mean, so many things coming up, hearing just that, yeah. First off, 7 years old to already have that awareness of like being fat or chubby and like layering that sense of dissatisfaction into yourself. I can, I can remember having those thoughts in the dance world around like Mm -hmm. nine or 10. Mm -hmm.
0: And by
1: all intents and purposes, I was not either of those things. And it was, it's actually more when I hit puberty because I was kind of this awkward skeleton with knobby knees and Mm -hmm. (laughs) like really awkward. And then I started to fill out and I, I remember having this kind of panic moment of, oh, oh my gosh, I'm not skinny anymore. I don't know if I fit in here anymore. And and I I do remember Mm -hmm. having a similar relationship to exercise. And meanwhile, I was somebody who was dancing something like 20 to 30 hours a week. So I was already very physically active. And then I was trying to take extra classes in other studios and mm-hmm. also like get my butt to the gym and start learning how to use the fitness equipment. And, yeah. and I'm even already thinking about dieting and, and not healthy dieting. It was very restrictive, sort of in the vein of bulimia of like purging um, or starvation. And then sometimes then going into the excess on the other side of like binging when I was just really stressed out or freaked out and then I would try and self-correct so you know these this point about how quickly for so many people movement changes this tone where it it becomes to fix ourselves and it becomes a Mm -hmm. reprimand it becomes a punishment I mean this is something that I, I am also personally so concerned about and figuring out how can we change this equation because movement naturally was for our benefit, was for our upliftment. It It's a way to gain clarity. It's a way to clear the cobwebs out of our mind and to also just sort of reinvigorate our sense of vitality and zest and inspiration in life. But when we live in a world where so much of that aesthetic value is baked in, it completely cuts us off from what movement naturally can do.
0: I think that's where, you know, my invitation for myself and like those around me is always starting. How do we get to start to shift our own parameter or like our check-in from being so externally based and focused of what's happening out there and more internally and what's happening in here? And, you know, and that's a continuous process, especially when we're, <laughs> our phones and all, all of it. And, and, and I don't need it. Like none of it is wrong or negative. It's so useful and powerful, like social media, how it brings us together and our phones, how we can stay so connected. And, but It can just it's just so easy for us to just even start our day and people immediately go to their phone or immediately look at the news or something and all so so never even having an opportunity first thing upon waking of checking in with themselves of how do I really feel without any sort of external feedback or external influence. Yeah. And if we don't really know how we feel, like just us in us then of course we're gonna be swayed all over the place and trying to fit into a certain mode or certain body type or, and then that doesn't, that's where where it gets sticky. That's where I don't think it feels good. That's where it Mm. becomes rigid.
1: Yeah, that's such an important point, this concept of external versus internal and Mm -hmm. like giving yourself that time to establish an internal check-in first, right? Rather than accidentally getting looped into the external swirl of what's going on, especially when so much in the social media world is visual, right? It's visual information coming in, which has a much more significant subliminal and hypnotic effect on how we feel about ourselves. You know, most people are not, necessarily going in and like just reading stuff first thing in the morning you're also going in and checking instagram facebook like all these media outlets that have visual backing and if like you mentioned if you haven't taken that time to really like cue into how am i feeling in my body today and then you're already getting slammed with seeing like these ideals or like not ideals and then judging yourself in comparison with that like you're gonna have a much harder time Stepping into contact with a fully integrated version of yourself, not just mentally, but emotionally and physically as well.
0: Yeah. And much more challenging time noticing when you see something and you do pop out of yourself and go into old stories, old limitations, old beliefs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. curious. You mentioned that there were sort of these very two specific stages in your mo- movement journey where you did slide into exercise as punishment, exercise to fix yourself, to lose like most of my life. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and you and you sort of highlighted that in the last few years, that's changed. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. curious was there a specific moment where where you sort of had that recognition that this didn't work for you and and maybe it was a series of moments but I'd really love to hear more about that transition like what prompted you into making the shift into moving for pleasure moving for joy
0: Yeah so it wasn't like one epiphany moment um it was yeah a series of moments a series of experiences that Like when did it start? I mean, I would sometimes still create goals of like, I'm gonna do this marathon because I like love my body and I've just expressed this is like a few three years ago, expressing myself in the mountains and and that was mostly true. That was probably like sixty percent, sixty five percent true, but there was a strong forty five percent inside of myself that was still like secretly I think I'm gonna get skinny through my marathon training, right? (laughs) And so it's I, I don't live in a personally I don't live in a black and white world. I, I live in a like a this and, right? Like like there's room for there's room there's room for both. There's there's gray areas. So but I I I believe I think for myself, now I'm like, wow, it started way longer ago to actually think about it. I mean, I lived at a yoga center for six months, maybe ten year, ten years, no, nine years ago? Something like that. Kripalu, So I'll say people maybe who are listening are know. And I would love to, you know, those of us who know Kripalu, I think we all adore it. It's mm-hmm. a very, very special place. It was a special place to get to live for that long. And that was really for me also where I was really introduced to yoga and into meditation and into starting a shifting the dialogue for myself, starting to realize some of the thoughts I have aren't actually true, and also starting to notice. Starting with through through my yoga practice because I had a very dedicated practice and yes there was a piece that was like oh I'm secretly going to get skinny and I'm only eating <laughs> you know organic food at this beautiful place but there was also more it was more a deeper curiosity and understanding because I had such hate and disdain towards my body for so long to get underneath that and really start this that was probably the biggest propeller of my own journey of like like really trying to understand who am I. At a, like, like a more, I wouldn't have said this in, but now like starting even from a cellular level, right? Like I want to understand myself physiologically anatomically. I want to understand myself spiritually, energetically, emotionally. I, I like, so, so, I mean, some of that study actually started before that. Ultimately my yoga practice then is when I really started to have huge emotional releases, energetic shifts, particularly my, my favorite teacher there, he would you know, have us in some pretty intense holding poses. And then we do, you know, breath work. I can't, Kabbalah Bata breathing, is that this?
1: Oh, yeah, the fire yeah. breath. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I'd be like, stone, like, I'd be like on a cloud after that for hours. It was awesome. And so I started to, like, like, want, I want more of that. I want more of that. I want more of that. And so, you know, through the years, it's it's been a dance. And the more that, so, so then, Several years ago, then another significant piece was I went to my first three-day weekend in a form of work called the Art of Feminine Presence um, that I'm now a teacher of. And for the first time ever in my life, was like actually inhabiting an in my womb space. And for any women who might be listening, or or men, if, if you're a man, you would be your lower abdomen. But for women listening, if you no longer have your physical womb, we don't have to go into all this now, but it would still be that energetic space. It actually doesn't matter if you physically have the organ or not but that shifted how I felt and how I experienced other and related to other people and how I experienced movement dramatically because I was more, I was actually in my body versus moving from a place where I was more in my, in my head and thinking about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I think the more that I have been on my own embodiment journey and inhabiting myself more and the more I have, I think, you know, we all, there's different layers to all of us. And my, in my experience, more often there, often there can be really intense epiphany moments that traject people's lives. But I think often it it happens on layers. The more that I've connected and gotten to know myself on all levels, the more I don't desire to, like, I remember a few years ago, like when I first started my business, I was like, yeah, we got to hustle. We got to push. We got to like 10 times. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) and I was, and then like a year and a half and I was like, fuck that. This sucks. Like I don't, and I don't believe in that for me, other people rate. I don't believe in that for me. I don't believe in that for my success, for the success of my clients. And that it also relates to movement and started more realizing what doesn't feel good in my body. What doesn't serve me, you know, releasing some old and healing, some old wounds and pains and really caring deeply about my emotional and mental health. Of course, my physical well-being as well, but having like my my movement is huge for that. And it gives me so much joy. Mm.
1: So
0: yeah, the round.
1: You're totally round speaking my language here. And I love that you took so much time to highlight this fact that this relationship of negotiating you know your weight or, or how your body's athleticism is actually functioning in tandem with how things feel. It isn't black or white. You said there's so much gray there. And as you stated that, I realized like, oh yes, like in some ways we are always negotiating this. Like it never really fully goes, goes away. Even as somebody who is such a steward of moving for feeling and not for aesthetic reasons I remember getting ready to film all the content for Evolna the last couple yeah and and the two weeks before I went into filming I automatically went into that hyper like oh now I need to start starving myself so I had three to five pounds and look great on the camera and I caught myself in that and I was like what here is a movement that is it's not about what you look like it's all about feeling but this stuff can be so insidious so it's it's really helpful and useful to be able to create that space from it so that you can recognize when it is starting to try and creep in and sort of claim its territory over you and then you can make the decision from that place of like you mentioned checking with your body. Well, how does that feel body? Like, do you agree with that? Are we okay here? You know, what, what what would you like to do next? And, and that way we can be more gentle with ourselves. We can encourage more of that self-compassion, that self-appreciation, that self-love, even when we are negotiating some of these ties that, that run deep and that yeah. may never fully go away
0: yeah, and I think it's beautiful that you just acknowledged what crept in your own mind, because I think it's important for us to vocalize and all of us to talk about it, right? So there's like, oh, there's not nothing. there's nothing wrong with me that that still creeps in. Just because it creeps in doesn't mean that you're a victim to. it doesn't mean that you fall into it. It's exactly what's it like we're widening the gaps. We're widening in the gaps so that you can notice it before you're swept from it. And when we can notice it, like, like you made it, like that's, that's power. That's a gift. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's where you, that, that is your power. Like that's, that's where you begin to like be the steward of your life and you can make those choices and you can be responding to things in service of yourself versus reacting to things and then judging or or being really harsh and hard with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a perfect segue into Mm -hmm. the next two things I wanted to ask you about. Uh, So as we've been talking, you're discussing so much about feeling in to what's going on and, and connecting to some of the emotional tones of what's motivating you or what might be unearthing itself in some of these situations. And I would love to hear more from you about how you see our emotions tying into our health and well-being, and especially given your expertise from a physiological perspective, our posture, our movement capacity, our muscle tone—all yeah. of that jazz. Good
0: question. I'm like, <sighs> wow, all of this. I'm like, I, we could talk for hours. <laughs> hours. <laughs> um, so, so just to give a brief, like, sentence or two of background, if anybody is not familiar with Rolfing. The word comes from Dr. Ida Rolf, and she called the work structural integration. Rolfing is like the the nickname I kind of mm. got on, so that's why i people are like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, I'm a Rolfer, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> um, and so, so the the work, long story short, is working with the fascia, which I think of as like our soft tissue skeleton, and helping to restore elasticity that has been lost in certain areas because of repetitive movement patterns. Injuries, etc., emotional traumas, other traumas that then start to tug and pull on the whole systemal chain and start to pull things out of alignment. So the ultimate goal of all things to help the body come back into alignment. One of like the most, you know, common things that clients say when they get off the table, they feel taller, more relaxed, and all of a sudden, since you made posture, they're like, oh, it's so much easier to have good posture, right? I'm also. We don't have to get deep into this. I'm. I'm against the quote-unquote good posture. <laughs> Sometimes I tell people what they what what I do, and they automatically go into that like forced, yeah. like shoulders back, chest up, sucking in. I'm like, please don't. <laughs> um, but the reality is, is, we're never taught. We're not taught how to sit in a more natural and easeful alignment. We're taught this very rigid, forced, quote-unquote good posture that is is not sustainable for anybody to to sit in. Our our We're using all of these large external muscles and it takes a ridiculous amount of energy and it's just going to create more pain and strain. So that aside, just to give a little, you know, I just wanted to give framework for it is manual hands-on work though. I work off of a massage table. So how do I see emotions play into postural and tissue patterns?
1: Yeah. And in the body in general, in our physiology. So, so much
0: people listening, can't see, but I'm like smiling. I'm like, I?" she's very uh, excited. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's, I'm thinking about where I want to start. So here's one of the things I want to start with. Well, I very strongly believe, and it's shown to me time and time again in, in my work, that emotion is stored in the tissue and is stored in our body. And, I often have clients come to me who um, have had a certain trauma or um, have gotten off like an antidepressant or something like that, right? have had this big breakup or different trauma or had a divorce in their life and they have done the, or maybe they're in the process of doing that, has to be all the way done, but often they've, you know, they've done the talk therapy, they've done the energetic healing, they've done the, you know, they've done all these other things. All, and all of these things also I'm not a person that believes one modality is the best I think I think that there's different times for different people and there's they're actually all usually quite helpful so I don't want to also come across as like being the quote unquote raw thing evangelist <laughs> but what I find is is fascinating because it's like but they can tell their body's still holding on to old story they can tell there's still stuff in their body stuck emotion or pain or just something keeps coming up and my experience in working with those particular clients, it's like their body's ready. It just needs just the right amount of input. And it's Mm -hmm. fascinating to me because, you know, everybody's tissue, meaning like fascia, the the tissue I'm working with feels different. It's particularly different areas of their body, it's going to feel different. There's a certain quality that I can, it's very perceptible to me. Their tissue feels different. It's ready. It's, It's ready to melt. It's ready to restore elasticity because they have already done a lot of the work. If that makes sense, it just the, the nervous system just needed the right amount of input to help release some of that story. So sometimes I will have clients when they're on the table, all of a sudden tears just come up, right? And some, it's more often than not, they don't have any idea where it's coming from. They're, they're not a specific story. And I truly believe tears are resistance leaving the body. If we allow the tears to flow, that's. We're allowing that resistance to leave and creating space for a new possibility, something new to be there, just more space to be there. And often, though, too, sometimes memories will come up. I remember one particular client, and I was working, you know, hips somewhere, and tears started coming. This strong memory came up of when she was 13 or 14 years old, and her family sold her horse. And her horse was like her best friend, and she had no, you know, say in it. And she was really upset. And we realized it's like hip pain she'd been having it was all related to the horse and so finally there was spate like she was in a more resourced space for that all to be released and so i mean i think how emotions sh- i mean the the reason i kind of had to pause even how to answer this is because it, there's it's so multifaceted. and there was one client years ago we were going through the 10 series she shared with me maybe halfway through via email that for the first time she finally felt like herself and her body since she was 11 years old around 11. She had all these injuries from sports and other things. And so she, she, walking always felt hard. She just like, never felt like physically how she felt to be herself internally. And mm-hmm. for the first time she felt closer, you know, she felt close to her family, but also like she had her own autonomy. She, she's a, she's a mom. She felt like she cared so much less about what other people thought of her, but also like more connected and integrating her community. So it was fascinating. All these things came up through really helping support the body and releasing old stories, old habituations that had been stored in the tissue, creating more space for us to like. And, and I really do believe, too, when we have a more aligned support system within our own body and framework and aligned doesn't mean stagnant. It doesn't mean static. There's opportunity to slouch and to move. Align means, you know, like I think of in Rolfing, we think of a plumb line going down the center of the body. And if you think of that line and how does the body orient and move around that line and can there be ease around that line? It's not like a, I think we think, sometimes think of like posture alignment. It's like this like rigid kind of thing, but when we can support, when that, when there is a greater structural balance from a very physical standpoint naturally there's more space for emotions to flow through without getting so stuck naturally we can feel more like we feel more strong and stable we can find our inherent strength naturally we can allow ourselves to be more vulnerable because we're connected and anchored into that inherent
1: strength so it's all so interwoven. Well, I mean, I think one thing we can all immediately relate to is we can register how people feel based off of witnessing their body language, yeah. right? And I think it's also very easy to connect the realization that when we're watching people in emotional states and their bodies automatically react a certain way, that if someone's in a perpetual emotional state or like they're experiencing anxiety more or fight or flight mode or stress and their body is reacting reacting you're firing the same muscle sequences over and over you're creating extra tension and tone in those muscles the fascia that you're uh, talking about here is responding molding and morphing to make whatever positions we are in more consistently more energetically efficient so it will literally change the shape and suit of your body to fit where you are more of the time and and so then like that is where your body will literally hold on to those uh, that emotional patterning in the form of these postural preferences and then when someone like you steps in And can actually like judge where that tissue is ready and 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 wanting to let go.
0: That's a great way to language it. Yeah, because sometimes it's not ready or wanting. yeah,
1: Yeah, and then and then what you're talking about, like that alignment. We all know that feeling of, or maybe not all, but I certainly know that feeling of when you feel relaxed at ease and free how different the body feels like where the shoulders fall on the back right and and the sense of fluidity and movement too not just even in being that one position but but like this ease and this spaciousness and sort of this ability to move in and out of a variety of positions with that grace you know there's there is so much layered into the language of movement that is communicating where we're at energetically and emotionally all the time. So we can take that time to pay attention to our emotions and, and really connect with them. We are connecting with our body and we are allowing ourselves a way in to resource ourselves and reorganize ourselves, not just emotionally, but mechanically as well
0: totally and there's there's not just one doorway into that right so so Ralph thing is one you know it's working more at the physical you know in in like you know you could be a movement in like when I'm working more with the coaching client or you know sometimes it might be a physical pain usually that we're going more into emotion but it, it looks honestly the same of can we just go into that sensation right? Can we first create a safe way of sitting or laying or being that allows you to feel safe in that moment to go into, either if it's pain, maybe the sensation is anxiety, maybe it's just like tightness in your throat, especially if we're working with that motion, it's it's connected in the body, right? Let's track that sensation. Let's feel where it is in the body. And instead of resisting it, because anytime we have an uncomfortable emotion, anytime we have physical pain. We don't usually want to feel it, right? Like it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. And like, you know, I think we all, this is oversimplifying it, but heard the phrase, you know, what you resist persist. And so it's not like it's going away, right? So we'll just layer over it. We'll suppress it down. We'll tuck it away. We try to compartmentalize. It's going to come back up. It's just going to come up with a louder response until it's too loud for you not to ignore And but if we can even create a space of just a little bit of time of trying to go into that sensation and asking it questions, getting curious, right? And sometimes it can feel weird, but I'm such a fan of dialoguing with your body and like, you know, do you have a name, right? Like, is, is there a message here for me? Like, are you, tr- what, you know, are you trying to tell me something? Um, is there something you'd like me to know? And just like from a very curious space and you know, sometimes this could take longer, sometimes it doesn't have to. But one of the things that's fascinating me when that happens is, is the physiological and structural response that's also happening as we're more from a energetic, emotional standpoint, connecting into these places with our body. As we actually allow that emotion to, to move, to run its course, to do what it wants to do, to be expressed, to be felt, we're then actually like, things can, like what you're saying, Marie, are the body parts, the, the muscles or bones can actually start orienting more appropriately or optimally. There's again, more, more space. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, maybe this, maybe we're going in the physical doorway today. Maybe we're going the emotional doorway today. And it's, yeah. It, it, yeah.
1: I love that you brought that up, that these, we have so many roads in and because it's all connected, our physicality is a, is deeply, intimately connected with our minds and how we think. Like our emotions, I like to think of them as sort of the bridge between the mind and the body. It's it's the link factor that that most directly is is sort of. Facilitating information between both worlds in a concrete way and then also kind of a more energetic, ephemeral way. And so, if we are tuning into our emotions, we have this direct link into these two parts of ourselves that we tend to compartmentalize. But, like you're saying, there are so many ways to come into this equation, whether you're coming in from a top down, like thinking, talking begin tapping in or you're coming bottom up moving through the body to like start to move stuff around literally and figuratively there's so many options in and our greatest service that we can offer in that is being open and curious to what is coming up
0: yeah yeah and not judging yourself or finding something too late right like another one of the most common things I hear from clients is like, Oh, I wish I'd found you years ago. And my always reflection back is, yeah, but like you you probably, your body wouldn't have been as ready or you wouldn't have been as ready. You know, I I do believe, I mean, as cliche as it may sound, I do believe we find modalities. We find people, we find our support networks when we're ready to find them. 100%. So
1: true. So this is, a perfect lead in to my next question, which is, I think you might have already answered this a little bit, but I I figure there might be some more stuff to unearth. What are some of the biggest challenges you see people come into contact with when it comes to trying to connect with their emotions in an authentic way? What are the big hurdles?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is judgment. I think that there can be like, because the first step to connecting into emotions is just to have some level of allowance or acceptance to even feeling them. And there like can be so much judgment towards our emotions. And we typically, people typically label emotions as negative and positive, which personally I actually kind of, I disagree with because you're already automatically putting them in this, Well, no, I don't want to feel negative emotions or negative, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just by the, I, you know, I think language and wording is very important and, and how we phrase things, how we talk about things is significant. It's important. And so when we're labeling our emotions as positive or negative, we're automatically creating this hierarchy. Some are better Mm -hmm. than others. That's not true. Some feel better than others. I believe in like an emotional scale. Right, as humans, we're all humans living a human experience. We all have access to the full emotional scale from joy and ecstasy and like happiness and to frustration and agitation and grief and anger. So, I think of it as like higher vibration emotions and lower vibration emotions. And as simple as that may sound, even just starting to shift how you label them for yourself, it can actually be. Quite significant because you're 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 taking out that automatic judgment, but then a deeper level of judgment can then come from often you know not only like maybe what society may feel like, but but often from from childhood, from when you maybe more naturally express your emotions, right? Whether you, maybe you were crying and you were upset, you were trying to be tantrum, or you were angry and you were trying to express that, or. You were really, really happy, but you were really loud and boisterous. And so, and that was shut down, or your, your tears were shut down. You were told to like go in your room and stop feeling sorry for yourself, or stop being a crybaby, or don't be such a girl, or don't take it so personally. All these things. And, you know, if it came from a parent, not making the parent or the guardian or a teacher, whoever was wrong, they were, of course, doing the best they can. But it is worth looking into where is the root of. Of maybe why I'm judging this, why I'm feeling wrong, because it's it's so essential to start to help unwind and release that if we can get get to to the root there. The like hindrance I would see is is judgment into feeling emotions. Then from there, is the intensity that can bring up, particularly if there has been a large mode primarily of not feeling, of either numbing, of pushing down, of you know. We, we live in Boulder. I think this is like the world's capital of spiritual bypassing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should say that so publicly. I don't know how to solve the world's capital, but, um, well, I know, think what you are pointing bypass, to. Like, oh, I feel sad. Let me just go pop in a meditation. Let me just do a meditation. Yeah. Let me just, or even like, let me just go for a run. And none of that is wrong. But the, the caveat is, is, are are you just like you're going for the next fix, right? Maybe it's sugar, maybe it's TV, or maybe it is just like, I'm just going to go run and exercise this off. I'm just going to go meditate. I'm just going to rise above. I'm just going to be the spiritual person. I'm unaffected. I, you know, I, it's all good. All there is is love. And the reality is, we're humans living a human experience. We have feelings. It's for a reason. I think our emotions, our feelings are, are our body's messenger. They're telling us something. There's power there there's the next layer to unwind there they're not just going away yes go for a run to help feel better to then maybe create more space to then be in the discomfort right i think that's something like it can, It can be so uncomfortable or maybe doesn't feel safe and that's why i'm a huge fan of everybody having support in multiple capacities in their life to help hold you in that
1: yeah no i that bypassing thing it's so interesting how we can use things that are quote unquote good for us Mm -hmm. and use them to escape connecting with ourselves. And I think this was something that I, I had in relationship to movement that was really unique that I didn't quite catch on with too until about four years ago when I really started developing the methodology behind Evolna was I didn't go into movement to run away from how I felt. I went into movement to dig into the feeling, to throw myself all in, you know, that's, that's what improv was to me in the dance world. And that's why I was the weird kid who loved improv because I would be frustrated. And I just recognized I could channel all of that into my body, into moving, like let it go wherever it wanted to go. And it was incredible how like really fueling the emotion, whatever frequency, whatever vibration it was at, whether it was low or high, but but letting myself go in, it almost immediately changed. And whether it wasn't immediate or not, it did change without fail every time. And I've said this multiple times, how movement was my saving grace. If it hadn't been for movement, I don't know that I would, be here because I had several brushes with being depressed and feeling suicidal throughout my childhood, even through adulthood. And movement was always the place when I was dealing with those really difficult, uncomfortable emotions. I could go in to come out on the other yeah.
0: side. And yeah. And That's beautiful. So you found that so early on.
1: It was so powerful. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized other people weren't doing this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, like, so this is why like people don't understand movement through the same lens that I do, because whatever modality I went into, I was able to sort of take that sense of whatever was happening with me emotionally and, and channel it and charge it. Like, strength training became my greatest like anger and frustration release, you know, running became my place of like, wanting to like, let go and release stuff. And, and then, you know, dance was my space of being euphoric and happy. And I I could, you know, use a a number of modalities, whether it's animal flow, or even FRC to like, tap into these emotions in different ways. But I, I think your point about about us not running away from the emotion and learning how to be with it is so important. And like you said, having systems in place that allow us to feel that support, that safety, that security to go in is so essential.
0: Yeah. Cause of course we don't want to go into the uncomfortable if we don't feel safe or supported. It makes sense. We're so not like, gonna <laughs> no, yeah. Like, don't, you know, if you're not you choosing to do that, don't judge yourself. But like, What would help you feel a little safer right because there's risk involved we don't know like it can you feel maybe out of control and so like yeah yeah
1: well that's actually like a great thought to build off of what are some ways that like are helpful for people to start creating more safety and more support so that they actually can begin to start excavating their emotions let's say some of our listeners like how do I start doing this you know like aside from maybe finding a coach or a specific Mm -hmm. modality
0: yeah so it's a good clarification yeah so aside from like actually seeking somebody even how to start because for some people, my experience, even the word embodiment has been like a foreign language. You know, a lot of the clients I've worked with, they're like, "I don't even know what that means." And oh,
1: let's like, you know. let's actually
0: get into that. I'm yeah, like, that's it. one of my
1: questions here.
0: Let's, oh, let's it is, also, and that'll segue because I think it's important to like the, break down any barriers of entry. Right? Anytime something seems so foreign to us or so confusing, a lot there's a higher barrier of, barrier of entry, and so it's going to be that much more challenging to like try it out or try it on because there's that much more discomfort involved and if we're already talking about uncovering discomfort there probably isn't leftover capacity to then you know come over into this high barrier or hurdle personally i think you know how can we feel just a little safer feeling and connecting with the emotion is is to come into the body again some people don't know what that means i often would not Maybe not often with some with some people like but i even like in talking conversations like this i think like the hands are a really helpful place because typically our hands are a more neutral body part right it's not typically like some people may hate their hands or maybe they have you know pain in their hands but typically it's a more neutral area and so and it's also an area where you know we've all done the you know rubbing your hands together right so if you like rub your hands together and you pull them apart you can feel that like vibrating, tingly sensation that's coming off of your hands. But can you also feel it inside your hands?
1: Ooh.
0: This is a very simple way. So even like being like, oh, yeah, actually, after rubbing my hands together, I can feel that kind of tingly vibrating sensation inside my hands. That's you being in your hands. Mm. Right? So there's a difference if you were to like to think about being in your hands or thinking about your hands versus like being in your hands. And so that's like, I I think a helpful, you know, maybe even to start her place, like one of my clients, she actually shared when you know, she was on a hike and every now and then had a different thought was triggered and she'd get some anxiety or something, and she would just like rub her hands together and do that, right? So it's a very like physical practice to help also connect into that. I think of it as like our energetic presence. We have an internal and external energetic presence and that tingly vibrating sensation is our energetic presence. That is being embodied, that like connecting, choosing to feel that. It might feel different in different areas. There's different sensations. It might feel different on any given day. But to me, this word of like embodiment and there's, you know, is, 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 is that, it's, it's what is it like if I could inhabit every single cell of my body? And that's like maybe an ender goal, right? There's, and it's like everything. There's, there's layers of embodiment. Maybe for today, could I just be in my hands? What would that be like? maybe for today could i just be in my feet what would that be like and and there's some areas like like i brought up womb space briefly earlier that's a really hard place particularly for a lot of women to, to be in especially to start with right maybe they've had sexual trauma or have lost or terminated a pregnancy or have really challenging pregnancy or Birth or uh, menstruating periods, right? Where there's a lot of pain and they're like pissed, right? Because it's really uncomfortable. So there's been hate towards that. So that's like a hot area. I think it's one of the biggest foundational embodiment pieces, but it's not maybe the best place to start for everybody. And so if somebody is thinking, okay, well, how can I feel a little safer? in exploring this or in connecting with maybe some body sensations that are related to emotion or feel, you know, I've been feeling sad. Okay. How can I start to feel? Where is that sadness in my body? What's, where is that stored? What is that connected to? You could even maybe start with the hands or I'm a huge fan of connecting into the lower half of our body. So, so even our feet, right? Like, 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 you know, having your feet on the ground, rubbing them on the carpet, you know, imagining root grounding or, you know, feeling your ass in the chair beneath you, right? Like even like rubbing it, like I'm like, like as rudimentary as it may sound, like really connecting with the physicality, like utilizing your muscles, your bones to help you come to a more energetic embodied sense, right? That's like why we have it. And so it can be really supportive. And then of course the breath, of course the breath, always starting like with the breath, with I, am a fan of inhaling, you know, through the nose, exhaling through the mouth, at least like three deep times, anytime you're going to sit and like get curious about sensation. I really, I think that, you know, when that, when your breath, that exhale caresses your lips, it helps your nervous system, like remind your nervous system, you're safe, you're Okay bringing the breath into your belly, actually letting the belly expand, right? A full belly breath. That's, I mean, doing so many things. It's working with the, the getting the vagus nerve on, to, you know, it's getting the, the, your diaphragm moving. So there's a lot of things we don't necessarily have to go into even physiologically. That's also reminding you from a nervous system level that you're safe, you're okay. Then, you know, you can feel into your hands, you can root into your feet. You can see if you can feel your sits bones, you know, on the chair beneath you. And then from there, get curious about where can you access next?
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So embodiment, I think is something yeah. that we've all heard in some way, shape or form. And I don't, I don't think I even personally really know what the formal definition of it is. Do I you? Have- a, no, I
0: just had a jerk reaction. I'm like, I don't know. I'll look at my phone and Google it.
1: well because I think like we all have like a sense of it and so I I was curious if as an embodiment coach you you've sort of found like a very clear definition that resonates for you
0: well I think kind of what I was maybe I didn't fully answer what I was referring to kind of earlier was is normally what how I'd answer it is 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 even just giving that hand example so somebody has not exactly a definition but I think it's supportive for when people are like, I don't know when people say to drop into my body, like I have no idea what that means to give a very tangible example of, most people can access that of feeling in, in, inside
1: inside their hands. Um, but so embodying- So like it. an awareness of your body and being able to drop your awareness into your body. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. And not thinking about being in your body, but yeah, being, mm. being in your body. There's a term called interoception. Interoception is, do you know interoception? <laughs> yes, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> I so it's not exactly embodiment, but I think it's a helpful thing to talk about, right? Because yeah. in a sense, it is actually your your body awareness. And interoception just is like basically our internal read or sensation. It might be like you're hungry, or you know, you're hot or cold. But it can also be deeper, as far as it can you know, also be like related to I feel sexually turned on. But it can, I think, also be some of what we're, you know, alluding to and talking about of, in, you know, when I'm interocepting, when I'm connecting into my body, I'm also feeling this, you know, yesterday related to a certain situation in my life, I was feeling like this, not exactly a block, but this really dense thing from like my lower throat, upper sternum. It was really, and I couldn't get a full exhale, right? And so to me, that's, that's an example of like an embodied read. Of myself, I think it's also you could be related. Like that could be interoception.
1: Yeah. No. I the way I've been coming to understand interoception through my nerdy, geeky research is like it's that space of being able to register sensations with like these specific things. Like I need to go to the bathroom. I need to drink water. You know that that sort of stuff. But it can also, like you mentioned, go even deeper where you're tuning into an acuity of signals that signal something else. And, and, you know, my example in this is a few days ago, I had a bunch of things I needed to get through with work. And I felt like I had too much to do with too little time. And I could feel how all day my body just kind of felt like it was in this panic vibration. And I could tell that that I wasn't able to quite think clearly because I didn't have this sense of safety, this sense of overwhelm, too much to do and no time was kickstarting the stress response. And I recognized throughout the day that I was in kind of a hyperactive stressed state and that I wasn't necessarily at my optimal workflow as a result. Yeah. like, I was aware of it. Did I really mm-hmm. respond to it as I would encourage people to do? No. And, and that sometimes happens. But yeah, would, and that's also
0: okay. That
1: like, that, like, detail of sensation yeah. and, like, internal interoceptive awareness to be like, oh, I, I, I even had this moment I, I re- realized... I used to live like this all the time. And that was my normal. Mm-hmm. I used to live at higher states of stress all the time. And that was my normal. And it was kind of this beautiful awakening of, oh, this is no longer my normal. Like this, this balance for me when it used to just be like, all right, what's next? And and for me to have that uh, realization and and realize like, oh, yeah, I live in a much better state overall was huge.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. That's Yeah. Even good to have that like distinction, right. And through that reading of your own body. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. So much to dig into, but we're running out of time. So here's where I'm going to wrap things up today. What are some of the most surprising and revelatory realizations you've had about the connection between emotions and the body in the course of your work? Whether that's been you personally or, you know, watching and witnessing clients and what they've gone through. Has there been anything that's been like, wow, like, it's just deepened your appreciation?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess this is answering your question. It's what's very present and real for me. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I start talking to like, oh, yeah, it is answering. (laughs) But, I, yeah, it would be more, like, personally, so I keep, I think, alluding a little bit to, like, that there are layers of things. And I I think this has been more of a surprise in a, I don't even want to say a humbling sense, but, like, the emotions don't lie. Our body doesn't lie. And it can, our intellect is amazing. Our minds are amazing, incredible. They can also trick us into trying to override sensation emotions discomfort and trick us into thinking that didn't really bother me that much or oh i moved beyond that or oh i healed from that and what i have shown time and time again and is is the healing the growth healing process the personal growth process it's not linear it's very fluid Mary, you know like i've been writing a book and it's very personal and in the last i'm like six months no, it's like seven months anyway going through a very deep healing process on a lot of multifaceted areas and most recently in the last month what i'm noticing is i can no longer ignore any little ugh that i get in relationship to the person maybe not any but but most, the ones that feel significant uh, or not, maybe, maybe not significant, but like the ones that I hit, get an intuitive hit on. I can't ignore them. Um, when in the past, it was easier. It was, I'm saying easier because I, I also don't know, was it really easier? But it's what worked for me was what I was ready for to compartmentalize or to my brain coming in to make excuses for somebody or whatever I'm just going to write them off as far as like not having a close relationship or, okay, I'm just going to go this direction versus really going more into the fire of one conflict and not being, you know, not that I would, I wouldn't say that I was conflict avoiding before, but I'm now it, it, trying to introduce this, not introduce, but I do believe like bringing conflict up to somebody and not in the accusatory way, but from speaking from my experience and how I'm feeling is actually a gift. Because it's a gift because you're allowing the other person to share their experience and what they're going instead of me creating story or by you know bypassing them as a person or whatever it may be. So personally, what's really surprising me even around my emotions that show up for me very strongly, it, it's, it's related to my body and I feel them in different areas of my body, different sensation is when I get a hit or when I get a, ooh, like yesterday, I was like, yeah, I can't actually exit. <laughs> I've I've been noticing for a few days, I'm like, I'm noticing it's hard for me to get a full exhale. Like I can, but I have to force it, which is unusual for me. And so I can no longer ignore, you know, wounds, pains, emotions come to us when we are also ready to deal with them in some capacity. Does that make sense? And so some of the, like, and I think even in my book, some of the things I was writing on, I never felt the full pain of some of those moments. I, one, I didn't let myself, but I also don't think I had the capacity to fully feel them. Now I do, right? And now I can know where to go for its support if I need it, or I have, you know, can utilize tools in my toolbox. But so I think to to summarize what I'm sharing in relationship to your question around what's the most surprising or thing around that is you is maybe, I, don't, I guess it seems obvious, but it's just that the emotions, the body does not lie and as much as you might trick or think is like the truth is always going to emerge and the key is is allowing ourselves the gift of aligning to that truth instead of going the more comfortable route and not that the comfortable route is wrong too sometimes yeah maybe you just want to like
1: watch seinfeld i don't know you know like
0: be comfortable (laughs) sometimes Uh, you
1: need the security blanket
0: and that's okay it's the both and but Mm -hmm. noticing how how frequently are you choosing that? how frequently are you choosing to ignore your own intuitive sense of what you know to be true and right how frequently are you are you choosing not to speak up for your truth for truth like capital t truth because it's more comfortable to not because of how you're afraid they might react or what might happen or, and, and going more and more towards that. And really being able, like, I, you know, we, we talked about movement, and exercising, embodiment is another muscle. It's a muscle, right? Like connecting to ourselves is a muscle, this desire to have more of a relationship with how I feel internally, what's going on internally with me versus external. You're building a muscle. If We're not practicing it. If we're not utilizing that muscle, not that we don't lose it, it's going to be more challenging for us to rely and fall back on it in moments that are high, we're more highly triggered or we are stressed or conflict is there. So, yeah. Yeah. We want to
1: stimulate these skill sets, right? So that they are adept and ready and, and agile. To yeah. us, when we need them rather than letting them sort of deteriorate and atrophy. And then, and, and like, like you said, they don't actually go away. They're just maybe not as effective and as helpful and useful as they could be.
0: Yeah, yeah. where we can't rely on them maybe as easily as we really want. And yeah, and it also doesn't all have to feel so heavy. <laughs> like the key, the, the the I think like the the beauty of really doing this and going because I've been I feel like I've been talking more about the heaviness and the fire and like the discomfort. But the reality is the more we open ourselves up to that the more joy and it, like we get to feel the more elation and i think what i'm personally i've, I've noticed this a lot for the last couple of years but it, recently it's been heightened cuz i i've been feeling lots of feels but is how good that can also feel yes it it feels so good to be in the sadness it feels so good and not meaning that i'm like wallowing it right but meaning more of like embracing it yeah exactly
1: i mean one of my friends said this analogy and it, it still resonates for me to this day in one of the pirates of the caribbean movies i don't remember which one they sail to the edge of the earth right and the ship flips right they get to the edge and the ship flips upside down into the water but as it flips upside down it's actually right side up and he described you know embracing those low frequency of those low vibration emotions as a similar thing like when you embrace them the ship goes under but as it goes under it flips back up
0: yeah that's, and, nice and that's like, it's,
1: it is the sweetness like it's it's surrendering to it rather than resisting it and the second you open yourself up to it like you get to experience the opportunity that's layered into that. And that's something I've been actively trying to restructure my own sort of a mental dialogue around negative emotions or low frequency emotions is how do I there's an opportunity here. Like this is coming up within me because part of me is asking to be seen. So how do I embrace this as an opportunity rather than bypass, deflect, run away or try and fix it? Because as you mentioned, if we don't embrace it, it will show up again and it'll continue showing up and louder and louder. Mm -hmm. That's emotionally, energetically or even physically until we're ready to actually talk to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness, such an amazing conversation, Emily. Thank you so, so much for devoting your time, for sharing your expertise, your insights, your wisdom. This has been so nourishing. Oh,
0: thank you, Marie. What a like treat and honor. Yeah, I just appreciate what you've created, and with Avolna, and with your, with this podcast, and I just, yeah, grateful for you to having me on. This was
1: like this, yeah, feels so.
0: This is like I love getting to talk about
1: this. So yeah, yeah, getting deep and down and gritty with emotions is one of my mm-hmm. favorite topics too. So this was mm-hmm. a special treat for me. Thank you for tuning in with us today. You can find contact information and all references made during the show in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and spread the love by sharing with family and friends. If you want to learn more or would like additional support in your movement relationship, head to our website at Evolna.com. Be gentle, be generous, and be good to yourself, and have a beautiful day.